Hey, I'm Pastor Joel, and I just want to say thank you for downloading or streaming this message today. My prayer for you is that you're blessed by the content that you hear. As a church, our desire is to make disciples of Jesus, and we do that by helping people to trust and follow Him in every aspect of their daily life. So if this is something that blesses you, we just hope that you'll feel free to share this with others so that they might be encouraged and challenged by it as well. Again, I want to wish you Happy New Year. We made it through 2020. That's good news. And I have to be honest with you, as a believer in Jesus, I think we have a lot of reason to be optimistic coming into this new year. I know for a lot of us, there's cautious optimism, but as followers of Jesus and, and as worshipers of the one true God, the one who holds all things in his hands, we know that we can be optimistic because God holds the future and because he has a good future in plan for us. And so, uh, so I'm excited about that. And one of the reasons that I can be optimistic about the year to come after a difficult year is because I know the things that God's done in my personal life during this year. And I hope you're able to look back and see what he's done in your life as well. God was so good this year to show me areas that I needed to be more dialed into him and to show me areas that I needed to let him have lordship in my life that I had been too in control of. And so now learning to surrender some things to him and submit Submit to his lordship has just given me even more hope and cause for optimism in my personal life and in our life uh, as a church and a country moving forward, as I believe he's doing the same work in a lot of people's lives. And so, for that reason, we want to take a look at something today that's a discipline of the Christian faith that a lot of people know about, but most, probably Americans especially, don't practice. And that's the discipline of prayer and fasting. And so this morning, I want to look at that because it's something we completely neglect a lot of the time. Uh, as a church, right before Christmas, we were studying the book of Daniel. And if you remember us going through that study together, we're going to pick that back up next Sunday and start again to finish the book. We just got a couple chapters left to finish, but we were studying the book of Daniel. And one of the things that we saw consistently in Daniel's life was that he had times that he would pray and fast, that he would seek God about some specific things. And so Daniel's a good guide for us to know what it looks like to fast at various times in our life and for various purposes. For Daniel, a lot of the time it was about spiritual obedience and growth and understanding about who God was and what he was doing. And so this idea is one we want to carry in to this year as well. So today I want to look at some things that the Bible teaches about fasting. Now, I can hear you all the way from home cheering and clapping and being excited about this. Probably, I imagine in my mind at least, you're sitting there right now with a plate of pancakes in front of you or a bowl of cereal on your lap while you're sitting on the couch and watching this service. Um, but I read this week that if you want to lose an audience in the church or if you want to split up a small group, start talking about and encouraging people to fast. And so uh, I hope that's not the case for us, that I don't lose anybody because we're going to talk about this discipline. But I do want us to focus on this because when we think about this year, 
choosing to come into a time where we've just celebrated Christmas, we've just celebrated New Year's, uh, we've eaten all this food, we've taken in all these cookies and sweets and all that kind of stuff, but to know and believe that God wants us to obey Him in this specific discipline. Now, I didn't choose this Sunday to talk about fasting because we all just ate lots of candy and sweets and pies and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we really wanted to do this because our leadership this year has been talking about taking our church through some time where we focus in on disciplines that allow us to draw closer to God. And in scripture, we see that most consistently with the discipline of fasting and prayer. And so we want to do this as a way to encourage our body as believers in Jesus to learn how to do something that God instructs us to do, but also to seek the blessing of God for our personal lives and for our church. So that's why we're doing this, and that's why I want you to be along with us on the journey. We'll come into these topics a few times during the year, and we'll offer resources and guides and ways to pray and fast and get involved. And, and specifically, a few times during the year, we'll come back and do a message related around this topic. But for us, Today, typically, when I start to preach and speak through a topic, I like to start with Scripture because I think that we should be so grounded in the Word of God that we should have it at the forefront of everything we do when it comes to worship. But today, I want to do something a little bit different to set the table, if you will. And I apologize for the pun, talking about fasting and setting the table. But I want to set the table for us when it comes to prayer and fasting by looking at some things before we get into the text of Scripture that we're going to look at today. So, to start, let's just define what we mean by fasting so that everybody's on the same page, so that we're all thinking the same direction. Let's talk about this because, truthfully, the act of fasting is not unknown in our culture, in our communities. It's something that a lot of people do for various reasons, but not always with the purpose of specific biblical uh, belief behind it. So for some instances, you might fast because you want to get into a, a dress for a wedding that you're going to attend. Or guys, you're going to the beach this summer. You want to have your beach body, lose a few pounds, look good in the swimsuit. So you're going to fast for a little while and try to lose a couple of pounds really fast. That's one reason people might do this in our culture. Another reason, and this was for me back in December, I went to, uh, to the um, doctor to have my annual physical and had to do a, a lab draw, had to have my blood drawn. And so the night before and a few hours leading up to it, I had to fast before I could have my blood taken. So that's another reason people do this. But in those instances and in other things like it, maybe it's dietary reasons that you do it, it's not moving the needle in our spiritual life. It's not something that's helping propel us forward and being grounded more in the Word of God and the power of God in a relationship with Jesus. And so for us, that's why we want to make sure we have a definition that focuses on the spiritual side of things. So here's our definition of fasting that I want us to use as a church. And this will come up on the screen so that you can see it. And if you're taking notes on our app, fill in the blanks here. Fasting is a Christian's voluntary abstaining from food for spiritual purposes. All right, so let me give you that again. Fasting is a Christian's voluntary abstaining from food for spiritual purposes. Now, there's two things that I want us to see from this definition. Number one, fasting is voluntary. No one forces you to do this. No one's uh, making you do it. In scripture, we see people who will take 
time on their own to fast. Uh, like I said about Daniel, when it's something that they're trying to engage in pursuing God or seeking after God, wanting the blessing of God, uh, there was an opportunity to fast and it was done of their own accord. Another way that this would take place in scripture was that the community would come together and invite people in to fast. Uh, typically around the times of Jewish feasts and celebrations, they would fast and seek after God. And it was a drawing in together to invite people to do that, but it's voluntary. The second thing that I want you to see is this, that fasting is for spiritual purposes. That's part of our definition. Here's what a lot of people fail to understand and value when it comes to fasting. Uh, if you don't do it for spiritual purposes or if you don't have a plan in place for how you're going to do it. A lot of people will say, man, I, I tried that one time, I fasted and, and when I got hungry, it reminded me to pray, so I did. And then a little bit later, I got hunger pangs again and, and so I stopped and I prayed about something else and, and then later on in the day, those hunger pangs hit one more time and I stopped and I prayed. But you know, at the end of the day, I really just didn't feel like I had accomplished anything. I, I didn't know what was going on. I'd I don't feel any different as a result of praying and fasting. And a lot of the reason for that is because we pray without purpose. We fast without purpose. And I think what we would see, and again, if we go back to Daniel chapter nine, and we were to look at Daniel's life, when Daniel prayed and fasted, it was for purpose. In Daniel 9 specifically, he was looking for God to show him a revelation of the vision that God had given to him. He had this vision from God, but he didn't understand it. So he prayed and fasted, asking God to give him an understanding of the vision. Now, the best way for us to go about a fast like Daniel is to have something in mind that we're going to fast about. For me this week, I've been trying to practice this discipline more consistently, and I took some time this week to fast and pray for my sons, just asking God to help them be godly men, that they would grow up to know him and walk with him and fellowship with him, that he would protect them in their lives, that they would have moral and spiritual purity. And so there were specific reasons that when I got hungry, it reminded me to pray for my kids for those specific reasons. So set something that's a purpose for your fast, whether that's one day or a couple of days or spread out over a period of time, but have a purpose in your fasting. The greatest spiritual purpose that we can have when we fast is simply to draw closer to God. That we would say to God, I wanna know you more fully. I wanna be intimately aware of you. I wanna be in your presence and, and have an awareness of you and your power in my life. And so I wanna draw in closer. And so God tells us, do that by giving up something that reminds you to come before me and pray. In this case, we're talking about food. Yes, we give up food, but we gain something greater. We gain intimacy with God. That's the purpose. That's the end goal is that we wanna be more intimately engaged and aware of God and his work in our lives. We learn to enjoy him above everything else. I'm reading a book right now by a guy named Dave Clayton, and the book is called Revival Starts Here. It's a book on prayer and fasting and revival. And here's something that Dave Clayton said in his book. He said, fasting is a physical declaration regarding a spiritual longing. Fasting is about spiritual feasting. Man, I want you to get that. Here's the perspective I think we need to take on if we're truly going to engage on a consistent basis in fasting. 
that fasting is a spiritual discipline that lets us feast and feast on God to know him more. David talks about things like this. In Psalm 42, he said, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul thirsts for you, God. And he's talking about this longing. And in his case, it's a water type longing. I'm thirsty and I want to drink. In our case, we're thinking about food. I'm hungry and I want to eat. And so what do I want to eat? I want to eat intimacy with you, God. And so that's what we're talking about Having God in our lives is ultimately what we want and what we need. So we deprive our physical body in order to bolster our soul. In fact, the, uh, the Puritans called fasting a soul-fattening exercise. That's what they were about. When they would fast, they said, I want to fatten up my soul. I want my spirit to be drawn more intimately into line with God. And so that's what we're about as well. So then the question becomes for all of us when we talk about this topic, do we want more of God? I mean, are, are you content and satisfied with where you are right now in your awareness of God, his presence in your life, his power, what you know of him, your intimacy with him? Are you following after him in those ways? Is there a longing for spiritual growth? Is there something in you that wants more and you want to pursue after Jesus. In those cases, God would lead us to voluntarily give up food for a set period of time in order to be on our knees before him, to seek after him, to pursue him, to want more of him, and to ask for his blessing. Now, I want us to jump into scripture at this point and really get a good sense of how God's word talks about this. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. This is part of Jesus' most famous sermon. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And I want you to look at this together. But right before we look at this, I want you to get one more fill in the blank here. So just write this in if you're following along. Fasting is an expectation of Christian discipleship. All right? Fasting is an expectation of Christian discipleship. Now I can hear you. Wait a minute, Pastor. You just said a minute ago it was voluntary. Now you're saying it's an expectation. So which of the two is it? Well, it is voluntary. You can fast whenever you want and for whatever length of time you want. But there's an expectation that you do fast. It comes straight from Jesus. When we look at Jesus in this chapter, Matthew chapter 6, we're going to see that he assumed and even expected that his followers would spend time fasting and praying. So here's Matthew 6. We're going to read the first 18 verses together. Jesus says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what's done in secret, will reward you. Now let's take a break there for just a second and stop. Did you notice that twice in that section, Jesus said, when you give, 
The expectation of followers of Jesus would be that we are generous people, that we see needs around us, whether physical needs or, or spiritual needs or people are hungry or people have a need for some financial support or whatever type of need it is. Maybe it's just the need of it being encouraged, but we would give to them. He says, when you give, when you give to the needy, he expects that we're gonna do that. Let's go on. Verse five, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who's unseen. Then your Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So let's stop again right here. Did you see it? Three different times Jesus says, when you pray. When you pray, don't be like this. When you pray, do this. When you pray, don't go about it this way. But Jesus' expectation of a follower of his was that we would be people of prayer. He says, when you do this, go for it. Here's how. And then he loved us enough to give us instructions about how to pray. So I want you to read this part along with me out loud, if you will, just from the comfort of your home there. Verse nine, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now we get to verse 16. And we're going to see one more time that Jesus talks about an expectation and this time it's fasting. See if you notice some similarities in these verses to what we've already read. Look at verse 16. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do for they disfigure their faces to show others they're fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. All right, two times in this section, Jesus says, when you fast, when you give, when you pray, when you fast, this is an expectation of Jesus. He directs us in how to follow him and stay spiritually healthy. And that's an expectation of fasting in our lives. It's a pillar of our Christian faith that we would put ourselves before God on a regular basis and fast and call out to him in prayer and declare to him that we need him more than we even need food. It's interesting when Jesus was on earth, he was actually challenged about his teaching on fasting because the Pharisees' disciples and the disciples of John the Baptist were watching Jesus all the time and his disciples with him and they started to notice something. You know, when we fast, Jesus' disciples 
aren't doing the same thing. And so they actually come and challenge Jesus about his teaching. I want you to see this in Mark chapter 2, verses 18 through 20. It says this, Now, John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. And some people came and asked Jesus, How is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but yours are not? And Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he's with them? They cannot, so long as they have him with them. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and on that day, they will fast. So Jesus' answer to why his disciples weren't fasting was that he compared his presence being with them like being at a wedding celebration. And let me just tell you, if you've ever been to a great wedding celebration, you don't fast. You party. You eat. There's great food. There's cake. There's all kinds of stuff. If you go to a really good wedding, there's a whole buffet line for you to go and eat at, right? There is food to enjoy. And Jesus says, listen, while the bridegroom is here, those who are with him are at the celebration. They're at the party. They can't fast now. They're too busy enjoying the fellowship and the company with the bridegroom. But he said this, but a day is coming when the bridegroom won't be with them anymore. And on that day, they will fast. Well, here's what we know. After Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead, he ascended back to the Father in heaven. And when he ascended to heaven, he left his comfort to be with us, the Holy Spirit, but he in bodily form is no longer here. So when Jesus said the day is coming that the bridegroom will be gone and on that day his disciples will fast, that day, church, is today. And we are the disciples. We are the ones in this day that should be fasting because we're calling out for Jesus to return. We're longing for him to be back with us. The truth of the gospel is that Jesus is going to leave his place in heaven again to return to earth, this time to take us to be with him forever. And the Bible says in that moment that he's going to re-implement the feast. The first moments we'll spend with God in eternity are going to be a wedding celebration and we're going to eat. But he says, in the meantime, while you're waiting on his return, we should be people who fast and pray and want his activity in our lives and in this world so that we can follow him the way that he desires. Now, I have to be honest with you. When you go back and look at Matthew chapter six, if you had had my personal Bible for several years, you would have noticed a few things. Number one, I had underlined the words, when you give, when you give, and I had underlined the words, when you pray. Because I, I like to be generous. I want to give to people who have need that I can meet. And, and I want to pray. I want to spend time knowing God. But after the Lord's Prayer, when it got to the part about when you fast, I did not have those words underlined. <laughs> that was not a high priority for me. In fact, I skipped over it altogether. The next heading in Matthew's gospel there is about treasures in heaven, storing up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Let's skip the fasting part and go on to the treasures in heaven part. That's what my Bible looked like. And so I've had to really learn and be more disciplined about fasting because it's encouraged by God. It's commanded by God. It's expected of Jesus in my life. And I have to ask myself, when I see throughout Scripture in the Old Testament, people talked about fasting, Moses and, and Noah and Abraham. There was fasting that took place in their life and Daniel. And then Jesus comes along and he fasts. And I had to look at scripture and say, if fasting was such a great priority for them, 
why isn't it more of a priority in my life? And to be honest with you, I'm still not good at this discipline. I'm learning. I'm going to be going on this journey with you as a church to learn about this discipline and to be more disciplined in it. I'm thankful for the role of Andy Malcolm, our small groups pastor in my life, because Andy constantly reminds me and encourages me to spend time fasting and seeking after God. It's a discipline he has in his life that I'm so excited about, and he challenges me. But it's not something that I enjoy a lot of the time, and especially early on, because I didn't see immediate results from it. I'm the kind of person who wants to do something and immediately go, oh, I can see the results. I can know that I did something and accomplished something and I feel better about that. But truthfully, this discipline, like a lot of other disciplines, takes time. In a lot of ways, it's like going to the gym. This year, for my own personal mental health and physical health, uh, I got back engaged in going to the gym and working out three days a week. Uh, and at first, it was so hard for me to go. I needed accountability. And finally, somebody stepped up and said, hey, come to the gym with me. So now I've got a workout partner that goes to our church. And three days a week, we're in the gym. But here's what you're going to find. It takes time to see results. In fact, in the next couple weeks, because we're in the new year and everybody's resolution tends to be get in better shape, gyms will probably be more full than they typically are during the year. But after the first two to three weeks, what happens? People drop out. They stop going to the gym. Why? Because they're sore, they don't feel good, and they don't see results. Most healthcare people and people who train and work out and that kind of thing will tell you this. It takes four weeks for you to see physical results from working out. It takes eight weeks for someone you're close to to see physical results in you from working out. It takes 12 weeks for an acquaintance to see physical results in you from working out, right? But you have to stick with it. And so when we think about this in terms of our spiritual disciplines, the same thing is true. Don't get frustrated. It takes time to learn the discipline. It takes time to build it into your life. If you don't feel spiritually more intimate with God, immediately hang in there. Don't give up. We're gonna pursue this together and we're gonna encourage one another. Now, I don't know if you noticed it or not. When we were reading Matthew 6, but Jesus told his disciples, when you fast, there's a reward for it. And he told them, listen, when you do this, do it privately. Don't make a big show of it. Uh, wash your hair, wash your face, put on your makeup, do all those things. Don't make a big show that you're fasting. Don't look sad and hungry and going around, woe is me because I'm fasting today or I'm fasting this week. He says, do these things in private, get dressed up, look nice, and don't make a big deal about it because your father who's unseen knows what's going on in your heart and in your personal life and he will reward you. Man, I have to just tell you that's a great encouragement to me because I'm far more likely to do something when there's a payoff at the end. I don't know what you're like, but I appreciate being rewarded for doing something. And Jesus tells us God's gonna reward you. Now, I think that the first reward that we get from fasting and praying like this is just the intimacy and awareness of God, his power and his purpose in our life. That's what we're about. That's what we're after. But then I think that there's probably also a reward that's unspecified, but it's promised. Jesus doesn't tell us exactly what the reward is going to be, but it's promised. And here's what I know. If it's promised by God, 
it's gonna be good. It's gonna be good because God knows how to give good gifts to his children. So we hold on. So let me just close now this morning by answering a final question. And maybe you've been asking this as we've been talking this morning. What if, for medical reasons or some other reason, what if someone can't fast from food? What if I just can't do that? What, what else do I do in this area? Well, that's a great question. Here's what I would tell you. Food is the primary avenue that God talks about when it comes to fasting in Scripture. But there are other things that you can fast from. And for me, I know that I've had times where I've fasted from multiple different things. Usually it's something that I will look at in my life and say, this seems like it's taking too much of a priority for my relationship with God. Or this thing seems like it's been unhealthy in my life and I maybe need to give it up and focus more on my relationship with God. There's been times I've fasted from social media or the news and just hearing negative things and reports that, that just cause me to cringe internally. And I've had to fast from those things. You can do that. There's been times that I've fasted from caffeine. Man, if you know me, I love my Dr. Pepper. Maybe you love your Starbucks or whatever. And maybe you just need to say, you know what? That caffeine, that draw that I have to that, I want to give that up. And when I crave it and when I want it, that's going to be my cue to spend time in prayer with God. Maybe for you, it's something else that you just want to think about. It could be sweets or whatever. But it doesn't have to be just food. It's something else that's got a priority in your life that you know you're going to miss. And when you go to use it, your technology, you go to grab your phone and you go, oh, wait, no, instead of that, I'm going to put that down and I'm going to spend time in prayer with God because I want to fast from that in order to pursue Him. That's what we're after. We're after intimacy with our Father. And so this morning, we just want to be reminded that that's the name of the game. Intimacy with God is what we're pursuing. And my prayer is that in the year ahead, as a church and as individuals, we'll be willing to do the difficult work of building a discipline into our life of fasting so that we can know God in his goodness, know him in his power, focus on him, and be drawn into a deeper intimacy with our Father. I hope that you'll join me in this journey and we'll be encouraging you through the year as we do. Thanks so much for checking out our message today. We hope you are challenged and blessed by it. We want to invite you to come and worship with us in person if you live in the Tri-Cities area. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9 and 1045 a.m. at One Fellowship Point in Kingsport, Tennessee. You can also get more information about us from our website or our mobile app. Have a great day.